is it's okay to say that you're going through postpartum depression. I really think it's important that people are open about it because when you make those around you aware of it, so long as you have a good inner circle, I think your people are going to take care of you. Welcome back again to another episode of the Confident Mompreneur Podcast, where we talk to real women from around the globe about real life difficulties and triumphs in momhood, business, relationships, health, and more. I'm your host, Kiri, ready to give you real actionable advice to help you become the best, most confident version of you in all areas of your life. Let's get into it. Hey y'all, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say that we are going to be speaking a little bit about postpartum depression. If you think that that might be something that you are struggling with, um, you're struggling with depression, you're having difficulty bonding with your baby, you're withdrawing from family or friends, you've lost your appetite, or you're struggling to sleep, or you're just feeling overwhelmed with tiredness and motherhood in general, please, like, make sure that you're reaching out and know that you are not alone. Um, they say that postpartum depression occurs in between 65 to 20% of women. So you are not alone, but make sure that you are reaching out for help, whether that's to your spouse to your doctor or if you don't feel comfortable with either of those there's a postpartum support hotline number that you can call um it's 1-800-944-4773 so please make sure that you are taking care of yourself we can't take care of our kids we can't take care of our family members until we start to take care of ourselves so If you're feeling that you might be struggling with postpartum, please reach out to somebody and make sure that you stay safe. Hello, Cassie. Welcome on today. I am so excited to have you here. Um, I had the opportunity to meet her through the BU Women Retreats. We've talked about them before. We love them. We love Melinda. Um, I believe you still work with Melinda, correct? I do. Yes. I work for her on a lot of different things. Yes. She's my friend and my boss and we, we love her. Yes, we do love her. So, um, we met at the last BU women's retreat, which was a few months ago and we were both going through some shit. Then We were going through it. We were standing in a hallway, exchanging a conversation, both in tears. Yes. Yes, we were. So now that we've both had a couple months to kind of mm-hmm. through some of that stuff, I asked her to come on and just kind of talk about what she's been going through. So do you want to just start us out by introducing yourself for the people who don't know you a little bit about you, your family, what you do, all those things? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Cassie. Um, like Kiri said, I met her um, through BU. It's a women's group that I've been affiliated with since 2019. Um, so that's kind of how we got to know each other. Probably it's been a while. Three years, years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
hard when you want to introduce yourself. So I can go with the typical. I'm a wife. I've been a wife for 10 years. Um, I'm a mom. Been a mom for 10 years. Um, mom to three boys. I'm a boy mama. It's it's an interesting process, but we love it. I would know what without my <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. Boys are a handful. Kids are a handful in general, but boys are just another level. And when you've got a house full of just testosterone, it's it's an interesting, makes your day interesting. Um I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have been for a long time. I I love it. It has its struggles, but I just one of those people that I want to be with my kids. I want to be the one raising my kids. So when I had my kids, my husband and I, it was just a no brainer, even for him. He was one of those that was like, yeah, I want you here. So I do that. I do work um, on the side, but it's mostly again, just from home. So I can be with my kiddos. Mm-hmm. And she does that's amazing baking. Yes, my I, I with it all the time. <laughs> I no, it's hard when I have all these friends all over the place. I need to look into shipping so I can ship you guys some goodies. Yeah, I'll there you go. That them. would be great. But yes, I have touched base in with some baking. I've baked my whole life. Um, my dad was a chef and I was raised by my grandma. And we all know grandma's just, they just know how to do the things. So I learned a lot from him with the time that I got with him. And then I learned majority of it from my grandma. And I just, I needed something to do with my hands because kind of what I've been going through a lot lately um, I needed a distraction mm-hmm. and so I just kind of combined something that I loved doing with being able to bring in some income for my family and it's it's taking off it's actually kind of I'm a little bit surprised with how well it's doing so it seems it's like great. it from what I can see and if you get that shipping I'm definitely gonna be uh, sending you I know I know <laughs> we need to look into it I've got family all over the U.S. so and they're like, girl, figure this out. <laughs> so what I do, I'll ship you some stuff. Right. I love it. And I'm so glad that you've like found something that's like fun for you. It seems like, and like you said, like a little extra income and something to keep your mind off of things is always a win-win situation. Yeah. I needed something, um, working from home and working for Melinda. I, I love those things. I just wanted something that wasn't so like stressful and demanding. Like this was something that I can say I'm good at it and it felt good to say and, you know, be able to produce something that makes me feel good. And it's very, I can step into the kitchen and I know that I'm in a zone where I'm not going to be like in my own head mm-hmm. because I'm so focused on and that being in my head is my biggest enemy. And so when I'm in the kitchen, that's where I have found I don't have to sit here and worry about all these things that I don't need to be worrying about anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's been, it's been really good for my mental health to step into that. Well, I am so glad. And that kind of leads us into today's topic, uh, speaking of mental health and mm-hmm. your family and kind of the things that have been going on. So um, when we did sit and talk and had our little cry fest in the hallway there, we were talking a lot about your struggles with postpartum depression after your last baby. So w- I want to kind of start with that, with just like talking a little bit about your pregnancy and how it was different than your previous pregnancies and maybe um, 
I know you had a kind of a rough labor experience yeah, and yeah. everything there. Do you want to talk about that and kind of explain where that all started? Yeah, sure. So um, <clears throat> this, my, my most recent pregnancy. So I have a 10 month old son um, and this was our little surprise baby. So I had had two children um, very early into my 20s. So I'm 29 now. And um, after my second son was born, we had kind of discussed because pregnancies were kind of hard on me. Deliveries were great. My first two deliveries, I was very blessed to be able to have both of my boys naturally. And it was very quick. Labors were quick. Um, everything just went beautifully. And I never took that for granted. And so my pregnancies were hard. And so I didn't, I wasn't sure if I wanted any more kids. My husband and I were both satisfied with two. Great. Perfect. Um, and so fast forward to, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old at the time. And I found out that I was pregnant and it, it came with a lot of disappointment. I was very, very, very upset that I had gotten pregnant again because I had taken steps to lose a ton of weight. I had lost a hundred pounds and um, I was taking steps to work on myself mentally, physically, spiritually, all these things. I was in a good place. Whereas when I had my boys, um, I had postpartum with both of them as well. And so it wasn't a role I wanted to put myself back into because I knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, here we go again. I did all this work. Now I'm going to just reverse it. I went into it with a very negative mindset. So I had to kind of snap myself out of it throughout the pregnancy. And then it just came even, became even more of a kind of a pin in my side because I found out I was having another boy. Mm-hmm. So there, of course, was disappointment with that. I love all my boys. I will say that I'm a boy mom through and through. So I'm, I am grateful that I have all three boys, but there was a little bit of disappointment because the pregnancy already came, had come as a shock. So, and because I had lost a hundred pounds, the pregnancy was easier for me, but it also came with different hurdles. I was, it had been six years in between pregnancies. I was older. Um, I had since those, my first two pregnancies, I had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which came with struggles in itself. That was new struggles for this pregnancy. I also developed, um, I had gestational diabetes, which I did not with my first two. And that came as a shock because again, I was a hundred pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. I had a new doctor. Things just weren't making sense. So pregnancy was hard. Um, but then when we came into delivery, I kind of went into it with the mindset of like, okay, well, because I'd lost so much weight, this, I knew right away, this baby was going to be my smallest, which he was. So delivery should have been a piece of cake. And I went into it with probably a little bit of a cocky mindset thinking like, oh, it's going to be easy from point A to point B. My husband even joked with me, like we, we were in there at 6am and he's like, I'll bet we have a baby by noon, like piece of cake. And, um, after a couple of hours of laboring, things just were not going in my direction. Um, I wasn't progressing. Baby was not progressing. Um, but we were already like admitted I was already hooked up and ready to go. And um, when I had gone in, I had, I was dilated to a four. My body was contracting, my water broke, all these things, but we just could not get, we weren't making progress. And again, 
I had a new doctor. That was kind of another reason why I didn't want to have any more kids because my first doctor that I had with my first two, I loved him. He was amazing. He listened to me. He knew that I was dead set on natural birth. And um, he retired during my six year gap of having babies. So I knew I only had one choice where I live. And I knew wasn't that I had anything against that doctor. It just wasn't the doctor that I wanted to be, but living in a small town, that's kind of mm-hmm. your choice. And he was great. Really. He was an amazing doctor. Um, so I wasn't progressing and my doctor had come in, you know, cause I was in there during the day. He would come and see me when he could between patients. He was getting frustrated for me. He's like, I, you know, we all thought that this was going to go easy because my baby was only measuring just a little over five pounds. I mean, he was supposed to be quite small, whereas my middle boy was nine pounds Hmm. and I was able to deliver him naturally. So pretty easily from what you said. Yeah. And and we were both kind of just dumbfounded by like, why is my body just not progressing? And then my heart started to go out. Um, I had, I believe I was laboring for roughly about eight hours before we really started to like, look into things like, okay, Cause you know, they were having me lay on my side. They would have me sit up. I was doing all the things my nurse could do. Um, and my nurse actually had to sit in the room with me during the whole time because our poor hospital had been under a breach. And so we had no forms of technology. Um, our internet, the internet in the hospital is down. So the, the nurse, luckily I was the only one laboring. So she's like, you know what? I can't see you from the nurse's desk. So I'm just going to sit in here. So I had her right by my side. I had her and my husband They were really pushing me to keep trying and we were doing everything that we could. So after about eight hours, they were like, all right, we're going to place an epidural and we're going to see how it's going to go. I needed to have an epidural anyway, because um, I had decided that I was done having kiddos and we were going to tie my tubes. So my surgeon had expressed, you know, we need to have an epidural in place so that as soon as delivery is done, we're going to take you into the OR and do the um, tubal ligations. And then, you know, go from there. So they placed an epidural and it just never took. I, after about an hour, um, I felt it a little bit like my back was cold, but after about an hour, um, I was moving my toes. I was lifting my legs. My nurse was just like, this is, I was in excruciating pain. I'm just, you know how it is. Just Mm -hmm. balling your eyes out. You're just, you just want the pain to end. Especially when you've already been going for that long. Yeah, for about eight hours. It just was not, I just, I could tolerate it to a point because I kept telling myself, I've done this two times before. Why are we not getting through this? Um, And then, so they placed the epidural after about an hour again. Like I said, it just was not taking. And so my nurse had come in and she just kept having me push that little button in hopes that like, maybe there was a blockage. We just needed to try to push that medicine down further. We're pushing it every 20 minutes. Nothing is happening. So my doctor finally had come in. Um, it was around like 4 p.m. or so. And they were like, you know, let's check you. Let's see how baby's doing. And my son had shifted. So he was in position, ready to go. And then just in those four hours, by the time I had got my epidural, he had just decided like, no. But he had twisted himself in a way that we probably weren't going to be able to recover him. And he was in distress. My heart was failing. Um, I was in and out of consciousness. Like it just, it was just a huge ordeal. Everything was happening so quickly, but also so slow. 
at the same time. So I remember a little after 5 p.m., my doctor came in and the anesthesiologist came in and they're like, listen, because I was thinking, you know, if the epidural is not working and I'm going to have to have a C-section, can I have a spinal tap? And my anesthesiologist, you know, they kind of went back and forth and they're like, it's just not an option. First of all, we don't know where the medicine is going. Like we've placed the epidural. No, no part of my body was numb. Like not a single part of my body was numb. We have no idea where the medicine is going. Doing a spinal tap would not be safe for you, would not be safe for your baby. So I kind of looked at him and I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> without an epidural or a spinal tap, what is my option? Complete and under general anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember laying there thinking like, you mean I'm going to be completely knocked out like cold? Because I already didn't want a C-section. Because I was terrified. I had had friends that had had C-sections. And I just remember sitting by their side thinking like, oh my goodness, this is, this is quite a journey for women who have to endure this. And I had never had to do that. So this was new for me. But I had to make a decision within minutes. They're like, we've, we've got to know what you need to do because baby's not doing well. You are not doing well. You're going to lose your baby if we don't make a decision. And so in that moment, in a matter of just what felt like seconds, I just signed a paper and I was rushed into OR and I was sedated completely under general anesthesia. And I just remember them wheeling me. I was just bawling the whole time. My husband's crying because this was new for us. This was a whole new process. And so I just remember sitting in the OR, the anesthesiologist was at my head. My, the unfortunate thing to this too, that was heartbreaking for me was in most cases, when a girl has a C-section from my understanding, I, again, I don't know, cause I didn't get a normal C-section. Um, they'll bring in the husband and he gets to be at your head and he's there for the whole process that was taken away from me. And that was taken away from my husband. And I remember the anesthesiologist being in my head and expressing to me, he said a silent prayer with me. He knew my religion and he just said a silent prayer with me. And then he ended with, I want you to know how much your husband loves you. And he's very sorry that he can't be with you. And that just, just destroyed me because it was just, I wanted him there because I was scared. And I know that he was scared. And I found out later on just how scared he was. I mean, I found out from nurses that he was literally in that waiting room just bawling. He just didn't, he was beside himself because, you know, when you're in that situation, you just don't know, am I going to get my wife? Am I going to get my baby? Do I get both? So that was scary. Mm -hmm. So they placed me under, um, my son is born. And then they go ahead and do the tubal ligation. So that was at six, around 6 p.m. And then I don't remember, you know, the hard thing about this is I just don't remember much afterwards because it was such, you know, when you come out of surgery, you kind of are just like really groggy. You're delusional, yeah. you're groggy, you, you just, you're in so much pain, you don't understand what's going on. But I do remember waking up in the room and I remember <clears throat> kind of glancing over my shoulder from what I could. And I just remember seeing my husband holding our baby. And I just remember asking him like, is he okay? Like, that's all I cared about. And then I, of course I wanted to know how big he was and I wanted to see him and all these things. But I remember him putting in my lap, him in my lap, but like, I, 
it's my body just did not want to register what had happened. Like I was, I still remember shaking and I was just still in shock at what had happened because I went from laboring to like, I just felt like that whole process was just ripped out from underneath me. And so he laid him in my lap, but I just remember I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't hold him. I just remember the devastation of like, I just remember blinking a million times to try to clear my eyes. Cause I just, I just could not see him. So, um, because of all that trauma, they did decide to keep my son in the nursery overnight so that I could spend the night recovering and try to like regather myself and all those things. So I didn't actually get to see my son until the following day. And that was just devastating because I got to do skin to skin with my other two. I got that bonding moment and I really just felt like that was just ripped from me. And then I just got overwhelmed with guilt. Like it just was like, my body failed me. I failed my body. I was really disappointed in the whole process. Um, and that is still with me today, even now. I There's a lot of details that I leave out just because it's, it was just a really rocky day. Like it, what should have been an amazing, beautiful day was just, it was, it was rough. It was, I never would have predicted that I would have delivered my son. I almost feel robbed. I almost feel guilty saying, like I joke about giving birth. I don't feel like I gave birth. Like it's just, it's definitely something I still have to process and work through because I did carry him and I did deliver him, but I don't feel like I can credit myself by saying you delivered that baby because I don't feel like I did. And so that's, that's hard. I love that you talk so freely though about the guilt that you mm-hmm. felt and the guilt that you carry through all of it. I think, you know, even admitting at the beginning that you were like disappointed that you were pregnant is a mm-hmm. big deal because I feel think people put so much pressure on you to just like immediately be so excited and happy when it comes to being pregnant and for some of us that's not an option um I remember I went through a really bad pregnancy with my son and um I told myself the same thing I was never gonna get pregnant again um and then I had an oopsie baby and I spent the first couple weeks of my pregnancy, like, so angry and upset about it. And by the time I finally came around to the idea of, yeah, I'm pregnant, I'm going to love this baby, It's we're going to make it work no matter what, I ended up having a miscarriage. And I still feel so guilty for, like, feeling that way, um, especially about this baby that I lost pretty soon after. Um, but I... I love that you're so real about that, that it's not all like (laughs) we're going to be super happy about it, especially when it first happens and you're not ready for it and you already have some of that like trauma around the pregnancies and stuff. It can be really hard. And then the medical trauma is real too. the medical PTSD stuff. Um, yeah, somebody mentioned birth trauma to me. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's a real thing. It's a real diagnosis. I had no clue that it was even a thing, but birth trauma is a real thing. And I didn't experience that until my third. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm so sorry that it happened to you on this pregnancy. And I, I think it's probably especially hard after having two births that went really well and really nice to then have this and like not get those same experiences that you got with your other two like everybody goes in with like this birth plan in their head or on paper especially nowadays like that's a thing you have your birth plan and whatever but we don't know how to handle it when it doesn't go to plan (laughs) and like mentally we've been preparing ourselves for it to go one way for so long then to have that suddenly ripped from us and something entirely new happen and you only have like like you said a few seconds to make really big decisions that's really really hard yeah it it almost it almost still I mean it's still even hard to talk about just because it's so a part of me almost feels like, did that really happen? Because it's so, it's just such, like you said, when you go into a delivery with a birth plan, if, if I, if somebody could take anything away from this, like what I'm saying today is take the time to prepare yourself for the what ifs, as well as for the, it's not that it's going to go wrong. God forbid, I would never want anybody to prepare for that. But the biggest thing that I remember thinking about while I was still sitting in the hospital recovering from the C-section was I did not prepare myself mentally for what if I have a C-section, not only a C-section, I didn't even get, I didn't even get to experience what a a true C-section even was. I delivered, I it's, it's just, it's shocking. It's like, I wish that I had actually taken the time to do a little bit of research, especially in my recovery. Women who have multiple C-sections, I praise you. That is the hardest recovery I think a woman can ever go through. That was awful, Mm -hmm. awful. And so I think had I prepared myself even for like, oh, let's just do a little bit of research for potentially what a C-section recovery could be like, or, you know, um, vaginal delivery, natural delivery, what have you research, everything, have a backup plan Mm -hmm. and prepare yourself mentally for any and every scenario, because I did not do that. I don't know what I would have done. Had that been my first pregnancy, I probably would not have proceeded with any more children. Mm -hmm. And so I am grateful for my experiences that I had. And I am part of me is grateful that this was my last baby because it was a a firm confirmation that I am done having children and I'm happy with my decision to be done having children, both medically, physically, and mentally. Mm-hmm. So that's what I definitely would want people to take away from this. Just go into it with multiple plans so that you're not, you know, I'm almost a year out. Yeah, I'm almost a year out from this and I still don't even feel like I've made an inkling of progress. Cause I can't, I still, there's still things I can't bring up. There's still things I can't talk about without being dropped to my knees. I, um, I can't, it's birth announcements are very hard for me to read. And I feel bad for women who have lost babies. I can't imagine what that feels like, but I, 
stumble upon birth stories or deliveries and this. I just I can't watch them because it just I wanted that so badly I wanted to have a natural birth and I just felt like I that got taken away from me but I I do and I have accepted that medically I know I made the right decision my life was in jeopardy and my son's life was in jeopardy and I made a life-saving decision and my surgeon and my anesthesiologist also presented me with the best choice possible Mm-hmm. And I owe my life and my son's life to my doctor and to the anesthesiologist. So there's certain things that I've accepted and I've worked through, but it's still like, it's still hard. And I think it will always be hard. Every time I look at my son, there's going to be flashes of those moments of like, mm-hmm. I wish that this had gone a different way. However, I am grateful that you're here. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was going to be kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about is after having like this huge traumatic labor and delivery um you know not having that skin-to-skin bonding time right away not seeing your son for basically the first 24 hours um how do you think that all has impacted your relationship with your son and your mental health around it I will say that I notice I have noticed a significant difference between the bond that I have with him versus the bond that I had with my middle son. So my middle son, even though he was my biggest and my heaviest kiddo, he was my fastest labor. Everything was, everything went perfect with that delivery. I was, I got hours of skin to skin and I have noticed, I mean, even a difference between my firstborn and my middle son. Um, I wasn't able to do skin to skin with my first, but there's definitely, there's, there's a, a disconnect between me and um, my baby. I did tell my husband, I remember when I was going through the paperwork and they were preparing me for the C-section, I said to him, if you get an opportunity to have skin to skin, I want you to do it. Um, and he did. So... There is a difference in the bond that my husband has with our baby versus me, which at times, like now, where I'm getting emotional, it's hard, but I'm also great. I'm very grateful that my husband has that bond and I would never, I wouldn't want to change that, but there is a difference, Um, especially at the very beginning. He was very hard to... um, comfort he was he has by far been my hardest baby um he's you know he's had some complications and stuff that have come about and that could be the reason why he's been a little bit more difficult but I felt like when I had that closer bond with my middle boy he was a lot easier to comfort and to console and to even problem solve like I would know right away like what was wrong with him So I do feel a little disconnect from um, my baby and that has taken an impact on my mental health because it just follows suit with feeling guilty. I felt guilty from the beginning. I felt guilty that I did almost lose him. I did almost have a miscarriage with him. I had to go to the hospital and, you know, and then I felt even worse after I thought I was losing him. Um, Like, oh my gosh, I immediate guilt for that and then I felt guilty for 
how the delivery went. And then I have felt guilty that like we don't have a bond. So this heavy burden of guilt that has just sat on my shoulders throughout this whole postpartum process has only made my mental health worse. And I do think that by far my postpartum depression has been the worst with this baby than it was with my other two. And I do think that a lot of it was because of the birth trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I think had I been closer with him and more bonded with him, I may have felt differently. But also when you're recovering from a C-section, it is very hard to, you know, with my other two, I was always carrying them. I would fall asleep with them on me. I just, I was very more in tune with wanting to be constantly with your baby, you know, because obviously they're this perfect little bundle of joy and you constantly want them against you. Mm -hmm. But with my baby, I was in so much pain. I was, you know, because not only did I have the C-section, but I also had the tubal ligation. So I had other things going on internally. I was just, it had also been my second major surgery in under two years with my stomach. And so I was still recovering from the first surgery. Now I needed to recover from this surgery. And it was just my level of pain just kind of kept me from bonding to my son. And so I think that's, again, why my, hu my husband was able to take some time off work to be with us for quite a while. And I just, my husband, bless his heart, just really deep dived into newborn daddy and just you know, he had done it before, but he was really hands-on this go-round. So it's hard. I have days where I'm grateful for their bond, but then I have days where I'm essentially, I am jealous slightly. Well, and I think it's so important to name that, that you can be a little jealous because especially yes. as moms, like we want to have that special bond with our babies we we want our partners to have a bond with our kids but we also don't want that bond to be greater than the bond that we have with it them is true. especially you know as a mom to all boys um my boys ch cherish the ground that their dad walks on i mean mm -hmm. he's a man they want to be grown men like their dad and it, so it's already like all right <laughs> Not ever. But I mean, they're also my kids. I know they love me and they are, they have their moments where they're mama boys. But you have to just, I have, sometimes I have to just be like, all right, I, I get it. Yeah. One day, one day you'll want your mom more than your dad. Yeah. Well, we'll wait for that day, right? But yes, yeah. I get that. <laughs> As we get older, I mean, my nine year old is kind of like, mom <laughs> but my six-year-old is still kind of like he needs his mom mm -hmm. so it'll be it will be interesting to see how our baby progresses I mean yeah he has gotten close our bond has grown especially since my husband went back to work and I did you know I've gone through the process of fully healing from it so he is closer to me, but I mean, there are moments where when his dad walks in the room, he just lights up. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and again, I think it was probably also really hard because you did have two other boys at home that you were also trying to take care of while healing and trying to form a bond with the new baby and like dealing with the mental health, like all of it all at the same time. So I understand why you get 
got overwhelmed. And I think there is a huge problem with like postpartum depression in women, especially in the U.S. right now, um, because we're a putting all of that guilt on mom's shoulders like you were talking about you know some of it is self-made guilt but a lot of it comes from society and their expectations for moms um as well and you know all of the other things that you already had going on too what do you wish people would would have known about what you were going through during that time or any ways that they could have helped that um, maybe you weren't able to express at that time? Um, uh, I wish that, well, it's hard. I, you know, I have an inner circle of friends, but as far as family goes, um, I come from a very broken family. Um, so does my husband. My husband is an only child, the divorced parents. And they don't, you know, they don't live here. They live out in the valley. And even though I have an inner circle of siblings that live close to me, it's, I've always struggled with communicating with asking for help, being the baby of six kids um, and being orphaned as a teenager. It just, it just comes naturally to just figure it out for myself. Um, but my biggest problem, and it's always been this way with raising my kids, is I wait till I'm at my absolute breaking point before I ask for help. And by that time, I'm very emotional. I'm erotic in my decisions. I just, I want the problem solved right then, right, like right now. And I know with mental health, it's a process and you have to be willing to take a step back and slow down and figure out what works for you. And I think one thing I do kick myself on is I know I should have asked for more help. I know I should have reached out to friends um, because I was not okay. I, again, from the moment I saw that pregnancy test, even now, I am still struggling with accepting because a lot of, I've had to go through a lot of changes mentally, physically that I'm disappointed in. Um, I feel like I should be in a different you know, a different mindset. My body should be better. It's bounce back culture, right? Like mm -hmm. bounce back culture is not just in your physical body, but in your mental body as well. And I just think if I would have put myself back where I was, I think had I asked for more help from the inner, my inner circle of people that I trusted, just letting them know, like, you know what, I am, I'm really not okay. The saving grace was that my two older boys were in school full time, but it hit me hard when my husband went back to work and then I've got my kids at school and I'm now alone at home with my baby. And those were the moments where mentally I really put myself on a hole. I, you know, you, fl you flash through so many unnecessary scenarios that you put yourself through. You, you deplete yourself mentally you exhaust yourself mentally. And I guess there's two things now that I think about it. I did not rest. I'm not one to sit still. I never have been. I was raised on a farm. You were raised to work, 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 work. You never sat still. And unfortunately that I've just carried that into my adult life. I think my recovery physically could have gone quicker 
had I taken that six weeks to actually set my butt down, bond with my baby, and rest. But I mean, as soon as I got home, I dive right into mom mode, laundry, dishes, cooking, all the things. And my husband would have to remind me, like, you've got to stop. And so as soon as he was removed from the picture and went to work, and I was forced at home by myself, that's when I wish I would have dived into that inner circle of friends and been like, you know what? I really need help. And so I definitely, my advice is that throughout your pregnancy, you know, in the weeks after, you know, postpartum, see if your friends will line up meals for you. See if you can get some help in your house. See if you can get help with childcare and, um, you know, whatever you can, just so that you're not, that was my biggest hurdle was just feeling guilty that I needed to rest, but also feeling guilty that I wasn't resting because I wasn't asking for help. Mm -hmm. And by the time I had gotten to the retreat where you saw me, uh, my baby was what, five months old. I think I had told you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, that was my first even moment away from my baby and it was all just super overwhelming. I was just an emotional wreck. I was a blubbering <laughs> baby that whole retreat. I needed it. I needed to release those tears and I needed to release those emotions. And it was, mm-hmm. it was an amazing situation, but I feel like I almost felt embarrassed that it had taken that to force me to rest and to force me to put myself in a situation where I was taking care of myself and I was just flooded and overwhelmed with just all the emotions I was going through. Mm-hmm. So if you can process that while going through your postpartum, which I'm obviously still going through, because postpartum, I feel like it never even ends until your child is like two, mm-hmm. if not probably even older, you're still going through it, um, is just ask for the help. Just get it. I Deplete think your best friend if you have to. Right. I think that's not really, but I mean, they're there to help. And if people, this is, I tell people this all the time and I never do it. If I'm offering you help, accept it. And there were, there would be people that would offer it to me. And I just would not accept it mm-hmm. because it came with, Oh, I'm, I feel guilty that they would have to do that for me. Or I'm capable of doing this. Like get your head right. Like you can do this, but really it's like, no, you need to like, take a step back and let others take care of you for a change. Yeah. So accept it if it's offered. <laughs> I agree. And we say that and it sounds easy, mm-hmm. but it's so yes. not easy though. It, and, the hardest thing. Yeah, it is the hardest thing. And I think that's something that should be said too, is like, while we as the person who just gave birth should be, asking for help and be willing to accept help when it's offered also mentally and physically we're so overwhelmed we're we've already got all of the shame and guilt that's being put on us with the bounce back culture with everything else that's going on that sometimes mentally we cannot handle like adding that also to our right the responsibility of seeing our needs and asking for help Yes. Sometimes you have to just have those people that are willing to see it Mm -hmm. and just do it. That's Mm -hmm. what I've, again, I've taught other people this myself, but I just, I hypocritical in a sense, I guess, but yes, I think you need 
I would hope that people have that close enough bond. The lights just went out in here. I would hope, like I'm the type of person where I can read somebody and I'm gonna know you're probably the type of person that's not gonna ask for help. I'm just going to put myself in that position to see what your needs are and see how I can fill them without asking. Because mm -hmm. well, it's definitely like, not something. And we always talk about that with our husbands, right? Like if yes. they come up to us and ask us what needs to be done around the house, we say, well, don't you have eyes? And can't you right, see figure it out? You can figure it out. You live here too. <laughs> so same it. thing with people that are around you that are supporting people who have just given birth, like go into their shoes and just see like what is going on and what they might need help with and then just step up and do it instead of waiting around and asking and even right. like especially if you've had kids before you know what the roles, you know <laughs> you know you know what the roles are yeah just I yeah I need to do it more I know <laughs> I mean all of my friends are done having babies but I mean if there's someone that it definitely opens my own eyes to to stepping into that role for someone else as well. Like mm -hmm. I understand as a mom who's had three kids, I've now had it on both spectrums. I've had a beautiful, perfect delivery. I've had a horrible, horrific delivery. And I know what it's like to recover from a C-section. So now moving forward, if I have friends that do have any of those experiences, I know what the role is. I know what you need. Cause I know what I needed. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do, <laughs> just do it. it. <laughs> I'm coming over, bringing coffee. Yes. Put down, <laughs> and I'm gonna help you. Yes, I love it. So now that you're kind of starting to work on things, you're coming out of this a little bit. You know, you took that time uh, when he was five months old to come to the retreat, and I've like seen you doing so much better since then. What are some of the things that you have done that have really helped you move through this postpartum depression and this postpartum phase in general? Um, my biggest thing is can, I've learned, and I've learned this over the years, this is one of the biggest issues that I noticed when I had my first two kids. I have an open line of communication with my husband at all times. Um, I express to him how I'm feeling physically, mentally, all those things. And he knows that sometimes I'm not asking for him to solve the problem. And I'm not asking him for advice. I just need to remove this from my body through talking or even through tears. I need to move these emotions through my body because if I keep them cooped up, I'm going to snap and I'm going to snap in a very unhealthy way, harmful to myself, what have you. I know there are women that struggle with that. I never got to that point, thank God, but I it's because I've taught myself to be aware of how I'm feeling. You know, if my body's hurting, you know, what can I do physically to help to heal my body? Mentally has been the biggest hurdle, obviously. Um, one thing I did that really helped right after the retreat was I went on walks. Um, moving my body, being outside, breathing in the fresh air, even though where we lived, it was still freezing in the spring. We had snow, I swear, up until May, but I still... I set a challenge for myself each month to try to physically be active. So, because I knew that moving my body, um, it just helped in all aspects, physically, 
with my eating habits mentally, like it just, even if it was just small little changes. Um, I was also open with it, you know, with my doctor, I wasn't to the point where I wanted to be on antidepressants. It's just not some, it's not that I don't promote it. It's just not something for me, especially having an autoimmune disease. It's just, it's one last thing I want to battle as far as like medication and stuff goes. So I was open with him that I was struggling with postpartum. So again, open line of communication. Um, I talked that about something that, that you discussed with him at your like six week appointment. Cause I feel like yeah, so a I lot of doctors having, don't cover that at six weeks. You know, they don't. And I will, I do have to give my doctor credit for that. It is something that both him and his nurses, you know, for that's they care about your physical well being, but they definitely, the questions were coming more from a mental health aspect. They wanted to know how you that were doing. So good. Even my son's pediatrician, I remember. I remember to going because my son had complications. So we were in the pediatrician's office weekly. And I remember her looking at me one day and it had been just, we were in there for just something really rough. And I just remember her sitting there looking at me and asking me before we get into him, I'm looking at you right now and I need to know that you're okay. And I appreciated her approach. Obviously I started bawling because (laughs) I'm a he was only a few weeks old. He was having problems and it just, I just was at my breaking point. And so I appreciated that even my son's pediatrician was aware of mental health. So I'm grateful for the doctors that I've had in my life. Um, I, I have seeked therapy in the past for other things. I did not seek therapy with this postpartum, um, just for reasons of, just had a lot going on. Um, so I, I do always encourage therapy though. Like if it's something that you want to do, I'm absolutely all for it, but physically moving my body, breathing in fresh air every single day. Um, just surrounding myself with positive things. So like positive music, positive podcasts, um, even like movies, stuff like that. My surroundings just needed to be positive so that I stayed in that positive mindset to kind of help, you know, put me in a place where I could stay positive. Um, And that's been the biggest thing. And then, you know, I, one thing I did with my first two kids that I regretted was I was a recluse and I stayed home. I never went anywhere. I know that COVID was a big thing recently and So there was a part of me that was like, should we stay home? But I knew, I knew that if I stayed home and kept myself cooped up, I was going to put myself in a really tough spot. So when my friends would ask me like, hey, we're having a barbecue. My original answer, because I didn't want to deal with three kids on my own because my husband works a lot, would have been no. I, Mm -hmm. I'm throwing in the white flag. I surrender. I cannot bring three children, let alone a baby with complications into the mix but I knew I couldn't do that. So when I would get those offers, it was like, yeah, we're going to show up. Might be a shit show. We're going to show up. <laughs> Luckily it was with people that wholeheartedly knew what I was going through because again, open line of communication, my friends knew I was going through postpartum. Mm-hmm. I really tried not to hide it from anybody. It wasn't something that I wanted to sweep under the rug for fear of judgment. I was very open about it on social media, people who would talk to me, which I think helped. Um, not that people would tread lightly around me, but they definitely knew, like my best friend knew whenever she, she lives in the city, 
And when she would come out to see her family, she knew because I was going through postpartum, she was very quick to be like, hey, I'm out here. Let's do something. She came and got my kids a couple of times. Um, she was a big support too, because she knew that like, because I was open with her, she knew that if I wasn't, she was the type of person though, that would just show up to my door. Like, Hey, I'm kidnapping your kids. <laughs> We're going to go get coffee, whatever have you. So that was great. I really think the biggest thing though, is it's okay to say that you're going through postpartum depression. I really think it's important that people are open about it because when you make those around you aware of it, so long as you have a good inner circle, I think your people are going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like my best friend knew I was going through that. My husband knew that I was going through that. So they would take it upon themselves, any opportunity that they could to make sure they would check on me or, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest, that really helped me was being aware of my feelings, communicating it, taking care of myself by walking and getting fresh air, doing things um, to keep my mind occupied in a positive way is really what has helped. Yeah, we talked about the baking. The baking being a nice, like, repetitive, mind-numbing kind of thing. And you really can't. I mean, when when you're elbow deep in cookie dough, (laughs) you really have to worry about what's in front of you. And it's a positive thing, like, you know, Sure, it's a corny outcome. Like, yay, it's a hot cookie. But I mean, it it gives you something to work for because you know there's going to be a positive outcome. Yeah. So it definitely helps with you. But definitely find something, heck, even if it's baking, find something to like occupy your mind. Again, in a positive way. Baking for me was very positive because it was something I loved doing with, you know, family that I no longer have. And so it's a way for me to you know, it kind of brought me back to being a kid, like when I would bake with my dad or my grandma um, when they were still here. And it just, it, it it has really helped me these last couple of months. So I definitely recommend diving into something yeah. like that. Even if it's reading, yeah. like if you love reading and you can escape in that world for an hour or 10 minutes, mm-hmm. just to clear your mind, do it. Do something for yourself that's got Mm -hmm. something positive and like a goal of some sort that you can reach, whether it's a hot cookie or the end of a good book. Right. Right. If you want to walk a mile, great. If you want to bake a dozen cookies and eat a dozen cookies, great. I mean, (laughs) it's got to be, I just think it, it helps if it's positive. If you set a goal for yourself that's super stressful or unachievable, again, because I know as moms who are going through postpartum, that bounce back culture is in the back of your brain. I'm still dealing with it. So if you set an unachievable goal, like I'm going to lose 10 pounds this month, it's, and then you get the disappointment. I feel like when you're disappointed, you're just further contributing to that depression, that Mm -hmm. postpartum depression. So if you're going to set a goal, make it achievable and make it a positive goal. Because I think we just have to live in positivity because we're already in our heads so much. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you can push out any ne- unnecessary negativity, it's super helpful. Yeah, I love that so much. And I'm so glad that you have been open in sharing your story, not just like with the people who are close to you who can really help, but also just in general too, because I'm a firm believer that in sharing our stories and the shit that we've been through, 
we remove some of that shame and stigma from other people that are going through it that may not have, you know, the good people that surround them that are able to help them in the ways that, you know, maybe you got. Um, So thank you for sharing your story. I know it is a difficult one, but I am so proud of you and everything that you've gone through and the beautiful woman that you are. So do you want to wrap this up for us by sharing any social media links that you want people to come and find you at or anything like that? Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the invite. Um, yes. I really appreciated that when you asked me to come on here. Um, I'm all for sharing my story. It just, I've lived, it feels like I've lived many lifetimes with everything I've dealt with in my life. <clears throat> um So I do appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share just a very small fraction of what I've been going through. Mm -hmm. Um, You can always follow me on Instagram. It's just Cassie underscore Polson. I do try to share is I'm, I'm an open book. I don't hide any of my story. I don't, you know, I put it out there for everyone to see. So not everything, but you know, I share the things that I'm going through so that people don't feel alone. Cause I remember there was a point in my life where I did feel alone. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just a small tidbit of that journey mm-hmm. that I'm currently writing right. and working through every day. Yeah. Well, you have been through a lot in your lifetime, so I know this is just a tiny little piece of it, but thank you for coming and sharing anyway. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you very much. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.